0: Welcome to This Is Lusonde, a podcast brought to you by the Lusonde School of Engineering. Each episode, we bring you a fresh conversation from the Lusonde community. Each episode, you'll hear stories from engineers and scientists, aka our students, profs, alumni, and industry partners, stories about designing solutions to complex problems to push our world forward. Tune in as these stories will engage, inspire, and delight you to create human impact through science and engineering. I'm Tiffany Alviar, a computer engineering student at Sonde. Our guest today is Simran Kanda, a computer science alum. Simran talks to us about her love for math and programming and her learning journey at Lissonde and now at Montreal New Tech, where Simran is working as a project manager. During her time at Lausanne as a first-generation, post-secondary student, Simran led a hackathon for women and non-binary individuals, initiated a workshop series to help with skill and confidence building, and learned about creating technical solutions with a diversity-first approach. Um, That's a lot of awesome things to deep dive into. How are you today, Simran?
1: I'm good, Tiffany. Thank you for having me here.
0: Of course. Okay, so um, I'll just get us started. Uh, Tell us how you ended up in computer engineering, like why did you choose the program?
1: Um, Okay, so it's like in India there are two programs that are quite famous, it's like either you go for doctor or you go for engineer, but in my family that wasn't really a case, I didn't have that kind of pressure that I had to go for engineering or I had to go for doctor. And the the unique part is I'm the first one, even from my extended family, to actually attending a university and college. So that was not there. But I didn't really know what to expect from engineering or what to expect from even computer science. So the best part was that in my ninth grade, I was introduced to Java. So I had computer programming for ninth and tenth and eleventh and twelfth for four years. And I always loved maths. So maths was something that I, I felt like was my escape zone. I liked it. So four years, and then when it was about to choose, so it, it only made sense maybe because I didn't know. There are a lot of other options. If I would have went back, I would have chosen like mixture of so many things, but uh, to my understanding and to my exposure, what was available was more of like engineering. And because I like programming and I love maths, so that seemed like a best option. <laughs>
0: I do hear that you are working at Montreal New Tech, and Mm -hmm. it's super cool that you know you're working uh, out of state or out of province. So (laughs) um, it's for a company that's not in Ontario. Uh, Tell the audience, you know, what is Montreal New Tech, and how did you like get involved in that? How did you find out about them? So Montreal New
1: Tech is an organization, non-profitable organization that has been there from since 2008. So they started more of like community events to help startups just to showcase what they were working on. So from there today, uh, we are kind of a global community as well. Uh, we work very closely with startups. Uh, we organize several programs, several events with a goal on how, to, how we foster new technologies, new upcoming deep technologies as well, meaningful technologies, and how do we uh, empower more researchers, individuals, startups, projects to have a light uh, in the whole startup ecosystem? How do we not let these startups to just die? And how do we become that support? And one of the unique things that I get got to know through Montreal Tech was the whole concept of collaboration and open innovation. So open innovation is like a word that I never really heard (laughs) and I got to know and a lot about the collaboration aspect too. So a lot of the time, like we thought uh, if you want to start your own company, it's just about your own company. But I realized while working with Montreal Tech, it's, it's more than that. You you collaborate with companies. You collaborate with industries. You cal- collaborate with researchers. You collaborate with other startups or even governments. So a lot of those things uh, makes an impact to a successful project or a successful technology as well. Now how I <laughs> reached to Montellitic? So the story was that me and a group of our friends we were organizing a hackathon called Yoki Hacks uh, back in 2018. And uh, (laughs) we've never really organized a hackathon before. We had no idea what to do. We were just a group of five to six people who were ambitious enough just to think, okay, let's do a hackathon. And it's one month before the hackathon. We were struggling with sponsors and we thought, okay, let's divide this game and maybe let's do this thing. Maybe just go out and network with people. And here's me who who had a really bad notion of what networking is and thought like maybe if I'll go and ask someone about something, that's something I'm doing something wrong about it. But anyway, because there was just one month and we, we chose to do something and there was no looking back. We didn't have to. We didn't want it to give up. So there was this event, uh, which is a huge, huge tech community right now in Toronto called TechTO. So uh, there were like 2000 people in that event. And the story is that we were deciding who would go to that event because we only had ticket for one person. So there was this MBA guy uh, who told us like, hey, let's do like an elevator pitch because when you network with people, you have to give them like one minute of your elevator pitch. So I gave and I was really bad at it. (laughs) So he, he suggested to my team, maybe no, she shouldn't go. Someone else should go. But uh, I took that as a challenge and I was like, no, I'm going <laughs> and I went. And because I had that in mind that I did not do well. So there was this option in that event that uh, in audience, you could raise your hands for 25 seconds and speak whatever you had to speak about. So I was full of <laughs> that, maybe anger or frustration or rebel. I don't know what was it. So I raised my hand out of 2000 people and I was like, okay, um, we are doing your hacks. This is this, la, la, la. And I, I spoke. And after the event got ended, there was this team of Copperathon. And uh, they, also, they were from Quebec. They came to promote their own entrepreneurship competition. And they saw that Yoki Hacks was kind of aligning with them. And I started speaking to both the people. And one of, both of them ended up being my internship managers later on. And one of them ended up being uh, president of the company that I'm working with right now. So just imagine, like, I wouldn't really have thought back in 2018 that one conversation, my one uh, thing of raising my hand would end up having me to this job, which I really, really like, to around people that I really, really like. Anyway, they become my sponsors. They came to York U Hacks. One year for one year next, like, they asked me that they're looking for someone to help in Toronto uh, with the competition. So I told them I'm, I'm looking for an internship. So they crafted a position for me, which was a bit of data aspect and a bit of like community outreach aspect. So I started working for the Stadis, which is a Quebec based bank. And I was doing two months in Montreal and two months in Toronto. So I was just moving uh, for eight months back and forth from Montreal and Toronto. But that was my first exposure to startup world. Like, I, like from university, just doing hackathons and like just sponsors and just knowing about these companies to know that there are things like accelerator, incubator programs that more to entrepreneurship. I it was eye opening yet overwhelming experience that I didn't know so much. So yeah, <laughs> so it was huge dots connecting, which still amazes me. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah you never see how like just talking to one person will lead to so many different um, opportunities. And uh, yeah, it's really amazing to see like how that all plays out. In the end, uh, you mentioned earlier that you had this sort of like bad notion of networking. Do you wanna expand on like what that is? So, you know, uh, one of the thing that I listened to a lot,
1: I heard a lot that one of the thing that you should do is networking, networking and networking. But the way it was explained to me or way I saw people doing, I felt like that did not resonate with my core values. It felt like I have to put on a mask, be someone else, put on this fake smile and try to go and talk to people, having this one minute elevator pitch in my head just to express something in a need of asking. So it's like you go to network when you're looking for a job. You go to network when you're looking for like a full time position. You, look, you go to network when you are looking for maybe sponsors. So that was a notion that I had in mind and that was a kind of a training too that I was told that you need to put your best clothes, you need to put your best smile and then you need to go. And I never felt comfortable with that. I felt like I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. I felt like whenever I go and do this as well, I, I'm just maybe like fooling myself and being, being this superficial, not real of a person. And that was my notion. But that would be the one advice that I would like to give to all the students that networking is not about that. No matter how many people tell you that networking is that you go to an event of 2000 people and get maybe 100 people on LinkedIn. That's not networking is about it. Networking is not having thousands of connections on your LinkedIn. Networking is about maybe you go and you just meet one person, even out of 25,000 people that one person that you could be real to you could resonate to that someone that might end up being your mentor that one someone that might end up just being a learning lesson maybe you don't continue talking with that person but that one person teaches you something And you don't have to be anyone else. You don't have to act all smarty pants. You don't have to act as if you know it all. As a student, no one expects you to do that. No one expects you to uh, talk like literally about Bitcoin or machine learning or (laughs) AI and like know everything about it. As a student, all they expect is that you be real and you have this curiosity to learn more. You have this curiosity to ask right questions. You have this curiosity to meet right people. And, you know, because once you go from a journey of students to you realize that you want to give back and as a student it's a huge opportunity because everyone wants to give back to you as soon as they listen a word student they just listen they just go back into their nostalgia zone and think maybe they did not have someone to help them at that point and they don't want to do that with another person who's asking for help so networking is more than that networking is about human connections networking is about asking their story not necessarily about their employment or where they are working. It's more about knowing a person. Mm-hmm.
0: That was some fantastic advice, and um, I, I think that it's it's really nice to sort of approach networking from a human connection standpoint. So, thank you for sharing your experience on that. Um, switching gears to a special club at LaSalle that you're you're a part of, you're president of, I believe. Um, I was, I was. Yes. Okay, <laughs> the, the Women in Science and Engineering Club. Um, tell us about the club itself and also what's your favorite memory from the club?
1: Um, okay, before the club on how I joined the club, I would like to talk about that. So there was this one, there is this one professor uh, in La uh, Professor James Smith, and I really want to highlight him because he was one of the really big supporters my overall journey in Forsythakiniya. So he was one of this energy, he is one of this energy packet that like just wants to help students have office hours literally in Bergeron Cafe and just is asking people to, Hey, just come and ask me questions. He, he was like that. So I had a lot of conversations with him and I expressed a lot of my interest in how I want to bring some changes and also a bit of the story background to that was there was this course in Lesonde in first year led by Professor Kai. Uh, it was called Passion Project. So that 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 thing when I heard about Passion Project, like that night, I was just thinking about what is my passion. And uh, too cliche, but like at four a.m. I, like I slept and then at four a.m. I woke up and then I was like, okay. I'm seeing a lot of things. Something that makes me feel really angry is about how girls don't know their values. There is one aspect of the thing that girls don't have opportunities, but there is another aspect that normally people misses out is there is one thing that you need to have more and more opportunities from outside, but there is a lot of factors that we doubt ourselves a lot. There is this internal fire, internal spark that never turns into fire. We question our abilities, we question our things. And I wanted to challenge that, I wanted to challenge every woman to think that maybe they can be that rebellious person in their life, and then they can create those opportunities too. And I know there is a lot of work that has been done by amazing people out there, men and women both, but I think there is always an internal journey that we often neglect and no matter how much there is external support or external factors trying to help you until unless you don't feel like you deserve that help, you don't go for it. So that was something that I realized that I wanted to challenge. It it got more solidified over past few years, but that was my my calling at that time. So just a random idea that I I noticed was that even in labs, in engineering labs, I used to see that if if we were in a group of like four to five people, uh the women of the group were normally just note-taking and they were just writing things and they weren't really doing the hands-on work so i noticed that and i questioned it and then even with me like sometimes i did feel like oh maybe i don't know and sometimes i used to get just overwhelmed with the confidence of my fellow male colleagues thinking maybe they know even though sometimes you know they don't know anything it's just they have that sense of confidence that makes them feel like oh they know their part they know their thing So I used to feel overwhelmed with that So I thought like, let's just tackle it. So I brought that idea to Professor James Smith and said that, what if we just do like just weekly workshops on random topics, like things like even working with screwdrivers to working with soldiers to these things. And I did not expect a lot out of it. I was like, maybe even three to four girls and we just do these things. So we started doing that. And for eight months, we did that every week we had like a random workshop we started with how to use screwdrivers and how to solder things and how to work with silicon modeling to how to work with Arduinos, then to IoT things, and then working with a lot of those things. So by the end, we had a group of like 15 to 20 girls, started from two to three girls, uh, and just led by Professor Smith. And we were really grateful because he was giving one hour, of his weekly time just to train us, help us in those ways. But from there, like, uh, women in science and engineering group uh, saw me and they and then then I also got to know about the opportunity that they're looking for the next person so I I joined uh, women in science and engineering to be honest I (laughs) there were a lot of uh, struggles that I felt through women in science and engineering I feel like it's always an institutional thing because you are now a part of an institution you have to lead a team you have to do and like I, I never really led a team in a way before so it was a lot of Mistakes, maybe sometimes not trusting my team, a lot of things that I did wrong too over the span of eight months. But I learned a lot. So I burnt out in 2019. I didn't realize I I it affected academics too to some extent because I did YQ hacks and then I did L hacks within wise women in science and engineering. But it was a good learning lesson. But one of the memory that I have of wise women in science and engineering. LHAX is of course like something that people remember a lot, but I feel like LHAX, apart from LHAX, there was one event that is very close to my heart and it was Explore Science. So one member of my team, Cossette, she is a PhD student. She talked about how they have the similar program back in their university. So she had this idea that let's just do this thing that we ask, reach out to professors and ask them to open their labs to give girls from kindergarten to grade 12, just a real life experience of how things happen. And then we did that. We had like few professors from five D lab to three D labs to uh, work and to like a lot of mathematical labs and like real life uh, bio uh, labs. So we had like four of those labs, and then we had around thirty booths, uh, just giving like real life uh, science experiments, technology experiments, and mathematics experiment. And the, the the thing was, five days before, we had maybe 10 registrations <laughs> to come to the event. And then we reached out to all the mom groups of Facebook. And then span of five days, we have 120 registrations. And we had like, and it was a rainy day, snowy rainy day. But I remember 80 people along with their families showed up to that event. And we had this board at the end that after attending the event, what would you like to become? And there were so many girls who wrote wrote things like, I want to become a biophysicist, I want to become an astro engineer, I want to become a space engineer, I want to become a scientist, I want to become a doctor. So that was really nice to see, because I thought, like, out of those 80 girls, even if we were able to make an impact to two of them. I don't know how many people they will further impact. So I believe in that triple effect that maybe just one impact will lead to three impacts and maybe lead to nine impacts. So that was a really close
0: memory of me. Um, yeah, you, you brought up hacks and I totally feel that whole... Um... <laughs> trickle effect of how it impacted me and I think um, I've impacted a few of the other girls that I've seen like um, in my degree and in like my time at LaSan because uh Al Hacks is a hackathon um for you know all females and I joined it in 2018 and I thought that the concept was really cool um, I liked that uh it was just really a space for girls to like you know be themselves and to not feel afraid to show, show everybody what they've got because I do feel like at regular hackathons there's that element of just being nervous and shy around like so many other people and majority of them are male so you just feel unconfident and yeah. kind of like you know afraid to show like am I going to look stupid like do I really belong here and feelings like that. Um, I didn't expect myself, when I attended Hacks to <laughs> just feel like the, the difference between what it's like to go to like a regular hackathon and then attend an all-female one. Because it was just so nice going to LHacks and seeing so many different girls in all these different groups coming up with the most creative solutions to um, the problems that were presented at the hackathon. Um, I remember being blown away by all the <laughs> finalists in that event um, and I really love that that's something that Lassonde has come out with and that is continuing till today I believe but yeah it's yeah. already been like three years. Alhax um, is such a great hackathon and I love that it's not just open to Lassonde students or even university students it's open to um, high school kids and people from different universities it's crazy and um it's, it's one of the beautiful things that I also really like that came out of WISE. So. ElHax,
1: I think it's a great legacy, but uh, I feel like it wouldn't have been possible if two leaders before, like me, I would say, would have done a lot of jobs. So LHAX, when I did it, uh, it, the only only struggle maybe at that time was just to raise the level of it. But ElHax when first it was called Lady Hacks, when it was done by Farzia, So when she did it, I remember hearing her story, how much backlash she had to go through just to start this totally new concept. So many people who did not believe in her concept, who did not believe in the idea of only female hackathon and so many internet backlash that she went through. So I feel like it was a very strong move on her part uh, to still be able to execute it while she was working part time in BMO. And then while she was studying as well. So I feel like alhax is a huge legacy to her, followed by Ramona. So she continued on her lead. She did not give up on alhax at that time too. And followed by, by of course, my team. And then now it's been continued with the huge legacy within Lasson. And and I, do, I, and, uh, I don't know, we didn't know each other, I think Tiffany back in 2018, but 2018 was my second AlHax that I attended. So <laughs> after hands-on, we had a team of like four to five people that went on to LHAX and we made uh this remote control vacuum cleaner <laughs> so yeah i remember that Yeah, yeah that that was <laughs> that was our team <laughs> but yeah like the, the the best part was in alhax i met two to three people who still ended up being a huge role in my life in industry aspect so one person works in shopify i just talked to her last week so it's more of like you, you just have like several mentors and several aspects of your life that you learn from. And I think these kind of memories leaves you with these kind of people. And, and at back then, you don't realize how much huge role they will play in your life, but they do. So Alhacks also, I think, just like you said, LHACS do have a lot of those close memories with a lot of people. And it's not just students, I would say. It's also a lot of sponsors that comes to LHACS. Like they they like the whole vibe. They like the whole thing. And, and they also feel good that they're able to make an impact in uh, someone's
0: life. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so I guess to bring it all around, to wrap up, um, what are your thoughts on gender representation in STEM?
1: It's a good question. And this is something that I have been thinking, introspecting, retrospecting, and a lot of those things. And, you know, even today, I was, now that I'm a bit in a workplace, I think the whole concept of gender representation, there are so many core issues that we don't see on a very superficial level that you realize when you start going into that. There are so many social Uh, cultural childhood related things that you see. Maybe like there is one person who was raised by a very strong parent uh, who was raised by a really strong mother. So their idea of women is very different from maybe someone who was brought in by a kind of a culture where they were more in a patriarchy kind of environment. So I would say like a lot of these core issues help us develop to who, who we are today. So sometimes what happens is issues that we see someone else is incapable of seeing those issues a lot of so for example simple things like i'm right now i'm in startup world and uh, you see a lot of technologies that are developed for needs which are for men because most of the people who were making those decisions people who were on those board uh, on those board meetings people who were who were getting fundings and investments to make certain technologies were a lot about issues which are maybe like not just men but global issues things like, even things like communication, things that were needed. But like, if you see, and if you notice there is, there isn't much progression into technologies of women related problems, women health related problems, I would say. Like even simple, simple things like simple, like literally women health and like menstrual cycle of monthly, there is not much development which is on those things. And the reason is many reasons, like first, as you mentioned, like the gender representation, I feel like there are still a lot of improvement of girls attending uh, engineering and sciences, but after that, just that, just that core belief to do something about it takes a lot of like courage from them. And then like uh, the and it's not something. It's not like people don't want to make something. It's just people don't know these problem exist. If like if me personally throughout my life, I did not went through any problem. How would I empathize with the problem that I never went through? So that's why people who see these issues, they need to step up. They need to raise their voice. They need to go there and they need to tell this is the problem that we need to solve right now. Like I was reading this book by Cheryl Sandberg, uh, Lenin, where she was pregnant and then she mentioned that there was no reserve parking for uh, pregnant women. And she just went in and told her boss regarding this thing. And he was like, yeah, sure. I just never thought of it. So sometimes it's just that. So I would say like there are more to gender representation than we think it is. But personally, one goal that I would have in my life and I would want a lot of women, a lot of girls to know is, yes, there is support outside, but there is this internal fight that we have to fight. And that fight, we just need to fight it somewhere alone with knowing that we have a lot of support outside like you know me too I go through so many imposter syndrome so many self-doubt issues even though I'm doing everything best I'm thinking what if like I'm just making a fool of myself what if like people find out that I don't know much and I don't know enough even though like I'm doing my best I would not trust myself I would I would give credits of my work to my mentors and like, you know, a lot of those things. I will, I won't credit myself for it. That maybe like, I also had those skills to do something about it. So my point of view is that for sure we need more women first. Like it's not just about, it's not just about that we need equal representation. It's more beyond that. It's more because like today when we are talking about pandemic or today when we are talking about having AI or machine learning, when we're talking about technologies, when we're talking about development when we're talking about simple research, there are so many things that could miss out, so many perspectives that we will lose, so many things that we can never think of. Uh, maybe, and it's not just about gender representation, I would, it would be more about in gender inclusion. Like maybe you cannot think of what a problem a disabled person go through that you never went through in your life. So having that person's perspective in designing of even infrastructure of a building of a technology you cannot think of that and then unless you are very empathetic person you have listened to their story you listen to the problems you listen to your users it's not so when we talk about gender, gender representation people think oh it's just because they want to see equal number of women and equal number of men no it's it's more we are our overall representation in the entire world is more we have more diversity and when we talk about solving global issues when we talk about solving issues like climate change poverty and a lot of those things that means you're trying to solve a representation problem of a lot of people so not having decision-making powers who are also representing a certain communities makes you forget certain perspective make you miss out on certain perspectives and that shouldn't be there because tomorrow something is developed let's say even with ai like we notice like you know simple simple things i would a algorithm that is developed by someone just to check resumes and the, the algorithm that they are developing is also with the mindset of that person's mindset it's a perspective of maybe like a white male who have that perspective of like a certain resume needs to be certain and there are studies that shows that certain algorithms just algorithm a computer algorithm is also discriminating on name if it's a feminine name it will give them less scores, even the whole resume is same. Just having like a gender of female or male, it discriminates on that. Just imagine like we are today building AI. We like are today building AI which are related to solving problems of hospitals, of uh, of uh, restaurants, and so many things. So lacking of those perspective when we are even designing that, missing out on certain perspective that maybe a women or maybe someone from different community or maybe someone from different country is bringing. You you are missing out on certain things. I feel like that's where more picture comes. That's why we need more representation. That's why we need more people at the decision making, and that's why we need more people at the board meetings. But I think apart from the fact that there needs to be a lot of work outside, a lot of opportunities given, there needs to be a lot of internal healing, internal acceptance, internal unlearning that we picked up from our childhood. Like I picked up from my childhood. I grew up in like a very dominating. Men um, environment. I grew up where kind of like if I raise my voice in front of my elders, I would be considered like a bad person. If I am grown up from that kind of environment to unlearning it to saying that I'm not wrong, I have to raise my voice. This whole learning and learning and learning process, it's its very hard and it's not easy. It's everyday struggle within you. It's everyday journey that you have to fight. So best way could be just listening to people's stories and learning mm-hmm. from them before something happens in your life. Or when something happens in your life, you need to be gracious enough that you have to come back, handle it, and then go back again and, and, and accepting this that this can happen again.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. thank you so much Um, so we are at time thank you Simran so much for sharing uh, your thoughts with us to our audience uh, we hope Simran's stories have made you challenge some assumptions have delighted you with possibilities for the future and also inspired you to always create technical solutions with people in mind I look forward to continuing this learning unlearning and relearning journey with you in our next episode thank you you can stay tuned into our podcast and all LaSonde School of Engineering activities by following us on social media. We are at Lasan School on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Visit lason.yorku.ca slash podcast for your episode guide to This is son School.